I am Benjamin Light. And I'm Marco Sparks. And welcome to Bros Watch PL2. We are joined today by a very special guest, the creator and showrunner of Pretty Little Liars. I'm Marlene King. How are you doing, Marlene? I'm doing so great. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. It's taken me a while to finally uh, uh, get a spot on on your podcast, but I'm super excited. And and you guys are awesome, and your your fan base is so awesome as well. So I'm excited to talk to you guys and get the kind of the bros perspective on this episode and the show. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. We will be talking today about uh, season three, episode sixteen, "Misery Loves Company," which was the first episode you directed. That was kind of one question we had right at the start was. Um, why this episode? Why was this the one that you was your first uh, directorial debut there? Well, you know, it's interesting when you when you're the showrunner, you get to you assign directors to episodes before you even start shooting the, that that season. So I knew way in advance that this was going to be the episode that I was going to direct. And one of my favorite books and films uh, is is misery stephen king's you know misery and i love the movie as well and i thought i'm going to pay homage to that knowing it's going to be the first episode i directed and so it was i kind of backed into it like that and when we broke the season we kind of knew we we know we knew we know the when we break the season we know sort of the spine of each episode before we start breaking it down into individual scenes so we kind of knew where we were going and, and i knew that we would end in this place for misery loves company wonderful nice and so it's co-written of you and Janelle Lennon. How did you break up kind of this episode and the writing side? I think that Janelle and I ended up, we, we do storylines. Like we would, when we break an episode, we do Arya's storyline. Like what are the seven beats and, and what are Sasha's seven beats and what are, you know, uh, I'll go back and forth. I don't know, Hannah is Ashley to me. So you'll, you'll, <laughs> yeah. you'll get us. But so yeah. we know everybody's story and then you sort of blend them together, you know, when you're, when you're breaking the episode. And so I, I want to say that she did, she did the, I'll remember it when we start watching it, but I, I think that I did the Spencer Toby and I'm not sure what other character. And I know Janelle wrote uh, a lot of the, the Emily stuff. So we went, we went by the character storylines. Okay. Yeah. I think this has easily got to be in most people's top 10, if not top five. Um, I mean, it's like the, the end of this episode really just elevates the show to, to me, like a whole other level. Wow, cool. Yeah. That, that makes me so happy. You know, I haven't seen it for probably it's it's funny. It's a lot of actors can't go back and watch their like I know Troy for one doesn't love to watch herself. <laughs> and and you know, as the showrunner, you watch the episode so many times because you're in beer and post and you're looking at dailies and you're 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 doing notes for the studio, then the network. And then I used to always watch it on TV with my family. But this one, because I directed it, I kind of shied away from. So it's going to be, you you end up saying like, oh, I wish I would have gotten that shot. Or I wish I would have done this. There's a lot of like, oh, I wish I had more time. So it's going to be fun for me to watch this one because it, it's been a while. And I hope I don't catch my mistakes. <laughs> yeah, I know. I always enjoy, um, you know, when the showrunner writes an episode, usually it's a finale or the premiere. You kind of know, okay, there's going to be some big, big events unfolding but when it's one of those middle of the season episodes it's always really intriguing like ooh, wonder why the showrunner's writing this one what's going to happen yeah. you know <laughs> well now now you got us figured out <laughs> yeah because this begins what we have affectionately called the uh the dark spencer saga oh yeah yeah we love dark spencer <laughs> and this is also the one where you got you got mannequins like you said you got stephen king this is the one where aria makes a shiv Oh yeah, that's right. There's so much going on, and I remember there's a couple episodes too where, and I think uh, 
I, we worked a lot of late nights on this one. There were that, that's the one thing I learned. Like when you're directing, maybe you don't want to have all night shoots three nights in a right. row. So this <laughs> might have been one of my darkest episodes that I directed because then I realized like don't don't do so much all night work because then you have to stay up till five in the morning with everybody else. But we because of that, we we got the giggles a lot. And I'll remember as we go through these scenes, like just like the the hardest part of directing was like, okay, let's stop giggling, let's get to work. Right. Okay, cool. All right. Well, let's uh, go ahead and time up ourselves. We're going to include the previouslys here. Uh, so just right at the start of the episode. Okay, yeah, I don't know if I have a, let me just start one second. Let's see if sure, I have. Sure. I think HBO Max has them. Oh yeah. I got okay. it. All right. So we'll do a countdown from three. We'll do three, two, one play. All right. So for those of you listening at home, get ready from three, two, one play. Previously on Pretty Little Liars. There we go. The mystery unfolding of what Byron is up to talking to Allie that night. Meredith is back. Meredith, yeah, crazy Meredith is back. Love Meredith. We do too. One of my favorite little side characters. She was my Dark Horse A candidate for a long time. Oh, that was a good candidate. Because she was in the pilot, and I thought, oh, wouldn't that be clever? Because most people don't remember that, but she's been there from the start. Mm-hmm. And this is after I think Spencer failed her uh, her quiz off the episode before. T is definitely a motif in this episode. <laughs> Meredith's cure all recipe. I've never seen Misery, honestly, and I, I feel bad now because I should have gotten that reference. Is there a similar thing in Misery with, uh, like, she's giving him uh, tea that spiked? I think she definitely, like, sort of subliminally mm-hmm. poisoned him a couple of different times. You'll you'll get it when uh, Meredith breaks Arya's ankles later in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> Ginger ale. <laughs> so would that be good morning miss bliss would that be the saved by the bell too i don't know we, we've had some bizarre references in this show it's always funny when they mention pop culture that isn't like from the 1940s you know it's like more contemporary <laughs> well, it's all because of money right because we couldn't afford anything that was current <laughs> so do you guys have to get a clearance like just to show the saved by the bell DVDs and everything and we would wow. we had these master lists of all the uh, and it literally was part of the reason we did so many classic warner brothers movies is because it was free to us or five hundred dollars that was <laughs> practically free nice isn't the say by the bell reboot going to be on hbo max that's good tie-in right there yeah <laughs> we should they should uh They're rebooting lots of shows these cast, days cast a pll for their their <laughs> cameos Ooh. This has got to be so weird for Spencer to like not be in her living room discussing one of her family members being potentially a. Yeah, I remember this song so well. And like this, this was so much fun, like shooting in these, these layers and these like this Toby shot. I remember we set it up there like, you're never going to use this shot. I'm like, yes, I am. Yes, I am. (laughs) More than once. So how did this come about? Toby being, you know, on the A team. You know, it was, we really wanted to, I think we learned early on our fans, they loved two things, I think, more than anything about the show. They they loved the romances and they loved being surprised and scared. 
And so we sort of kept that in the back of our mind whenever we could find a way to really surprise people. And, you know, I, if you know me, you know, I love the character of Toby. Mm-hmm. He, up until the, the, this moment where we revealed that he's on the A-team, he had never lied once in the show. Like we called him like our Jesus Christ. He was a carpenter. He didn't lie. He was like the, the all good. And I remember I, I loved the character so much when we pitched him being on the A-team. I made the studio and the network promise us that we could stay true to our plan, that he was working for the greater good, because I just couldn't deal with the fact that he might end up ultimately being, being evil. Um, but I remember too, like the, the, the day after the show aired, the episode where we revealed that Toby was on the A-team, we got a call from this woman in like Pennsylvania and she's like, I need to speak to the head of television. <laughs> and we're like, head of all television. <laughs> she's like the head of pretty little liars. And at her reception, it was like, what's going on? She goes, I need Marlene King to call my daughter because I've got nine girls who slept over at my house who are still crying and refuse to go to school because Toby is on the A team or A. So uh, it was, I was like, okay, job well done. <laughs> I didn't know you could just call Warner Brothers. And <laughs> well, somehow it. she had our, she, she called the Pretty Little Liars production office. I don't know how she got the number, wow. but she was like very emphatic. Just wait till a year later when uh, Ezra shows up in Ravenswood. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So this episode is great because you have a lot of great fake outs here with Emily is doing something in line with Spencer's anniversary surprise. And then you don't realize when you're watching this episode that Spencer's figured out Toby's thing much earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good little. She was ahead of. She was. Yeah, rarely would we let the the characters get ahead of the audience, but Spencer was one of those people that you felt like, okay, of course we'd be a few seconds behind Spencer. Right. Also, Rosewood High finally has a second book on the curriculum. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. How soon did Keegan Allen know he was going to be on the A team? Like, did he did he have to tell him like, hey, you need to be act a little shadier here or there? Keegan was one of the few people I did tell early because I knew he could keep a secret for one. And we did want him to to start knowing that, that, you know, there was more to the story for, for his character. So I think I probably told him at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Okay. Was there anyone on the cast who you're just like, I can't tell that person anything. <laughs> probably Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speak to the devil. Oh, yeah, she's going for her, like, fashion interview. Yeah, she's going to Philadelphia. <laughs> With the mannequins. What is Caleb doing there? Like, his homework? He's actually doing homework. <laughs> we are in high school, after all, remember? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, I want to say it was, like, the, toward the end of season four, we were like, we just can't put these kids behind desks anymore. It's just <laughs> absurd. Back when he still had his long hair. Yes, early, early Caleb. He looks shady now. Oh, now are those calls? Are those three-inch heels on the counter, or are those bigger? At least, at least. I think you're probably talking four-inch. Okay. <laughs> At the mom out in Montecito. Yeah. And I don't remember this plotline at all. This is after Mona's like 
or maybe it's Cece at this point has like almost run his mom off the road. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that was in early season three where because there's a drink. See, A's mm-hmm. having a like a like a G and T. Yeah, yeah, paying with a fifty dollar bill. You guys, your your PLL brains are are more <laughs> sharp than mine right now. It's it's buried in there somewhere. It's just pulling it out. <laughs> this is a big year for you with ten years of PLL, twenty five years of now and then. Yes, memory lane, my gosh. <laughs> It's amazing though. It's it's crazy how how I had, well, got one of those like Facebook memory things, and it mm-hmm. was uh, actually famous in love, like season two premiered mm-hmm. uh, this this week a few years ago. So, <laughs> gosh, it's just crazy how time flies. We spent a lot of time on this shot. It was really important <laughs> to uh, make uh, well towel placement for for Keegan especially was like critical for ABC Family. This was you know before Freeform, so the the rules were a little more strict. And I remember there's like a certain line you're not allowed to cross, like on the lowness of the towel. We're like, okay, we're going to be, I, I think they had somebody on set for this to make sure we didn't cross that line. Like, That's a tough job. You can only show this much of the Adonis belt there. Years before shower Harvey, we had shower Kavanaugh. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> Hole in the pocket <laughs> that will do him in. I, I, little things that I think of too, like that red chair behind Spencer. I don't know if you guys noticed, like sometimes it's a chair, sometimes it's a chaise. It just depended on what the director wanted for that. And we just sort of like took that creative liberty. We're like, well, the Hastings, they have money. She can, she can have both. And Veronica's like, what soft core setup that I just walk into here? <laughs> she doesn't seem to care. <laughs> Yeah, we got a, a couple of the so ones. I thought she goes, Misery Loves Company right there, the mom. I was like, I always tried to get in whenever I could. If you could say the name of the episode out loud, it was like such a like a game for us to play. <laughs> title drop. I really like that they're just building Toby up so much. Like, what a great guy he is. And mm-hmm. she's setting up a special anniversary thing for him. Well, and, and later the wine that Mona's drinking was initially water that Toby had turned into <laughs> wine, right? There you go. Oh my gosh, now it's all coming back to me. I remember this so well. It's so good. I was like a good plot line on TV where somebody's setting up a surprise for somebody else and you just know it's going to go wrong in some way. Well, especially for Pretty Little Liars. Yeah. What surprises ever went right? Oh, shady Meredith. She's such a great actress. She would come in and she and like Tori DeVito would co- sort of come and go and they would send me these emails like before before the table read and ask like, well, what's happened since last I've been on? And I'm going to send them like a nine page email back. <laughs> yeah, that makes me think. I don't think we ever got it, but I could just imagine a scene between uh, Melissa and Meredith here. They both have a kind of similar energy in a lot of ways. Yeah, I don't know. That would have been a great scene to 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 see those two together. I don't know if TV could handle it. <laughs> it's good, uh, like uh, illness makeup on Arya there. Yeah, we call it the no makeup makeup look. <laughs> we did. We paid. We had a lot of like low shots, high shots, uh, and and that was sort of our homage to to misery as well. Mm. So I think at this point, Meredith and Byron are back together, right? And she's just 
Yeah, because Meredith is living there occupying now. the house. Yeah. Yeah. And just just the, a, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I was going to say, just imagine a few years later, this this same plot line, but like Meredith is actually having Arya like rewrite a novel or something. <laughs> oh, I think, isn't this when Paige starts to do her own investigation too? She teams up with Caleb. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. his secret. That's what he's that's been right. okay. he's lying about. They were so, fun. We did always like to say, like, when you could throw actors together, speaking of Meredith and mm-hmm. and, um, and and Tori, like, that was one of the things. Like, let's put these two actors together and have them have a little sleuthing subplot. And it always was fun for the audience just because mm-hmm. it was, you know, a great shakeup. Well, I kind of wonder, too, was it, like, intentionally with... Because you did, like, the the fake-out, just-in-case filming where both Paige and Caleb were in the hoodie coming out of Radley a couple episodes earlier than this did somewhere in there did you decide like we got to really like explore all the significant others and what they're up to I think we probably went down that road multiple times with everyone just saying you know it's it's because it's always you know we we love our couples but you have to provide conflict too right or else there's no I mean fans would always be like don't break up so and so Mm -hmm. or get upset when 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 our couples would have rocky roads but without the conflict there's no drama right yeah, that's always the kind of the bouncing act there. The shippers just want people to stay together and be happy. It's like, well, it's a TV show, so you got to gotta have some fun with them. Mm-hmm. It is definitely a balancing act. Well, plus, I would almost argue that Paige has always had the most realistic reaction of all significant others. Like, like wouldn't you just freak out? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I wouldn't have stuck around. Well, I guess, who was it? Samara? She just pieced out of there pretty quickly when Emily started acting weird. Yeah. Yeah, she wasn't a keeper. I think she got a job on another show. Yeah. <laughs> like, did she become a vampire? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she became a vampire. Plus, it's just brilliant to get Meredith and Ella in a scene together. It's so good. This was our last shot of one of those very long nights and we had to shoot this this whole scene in like five minutes. So it just became a wonder of them coming around the corner and walking and talking. And thank God these actresses just nailed it. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. You'd, you'd never guess that this was shot in the middle of the night. This is why I like Meredith. She thinks ahead. She thinks ahead. And now I feel like up until this point in the episode, we were like we knew she was a little fishy, but now we know she's definitely not working for the greater good here. Got Ari's phone. I mean, how long do you get terrorized by A before you just start following various people around? I know. Yeah, These really. poor girls, they deserve to be paranoid. <laughs> I like that Emily ducks down two inches and she's like, whew. <laughs> Hey, we'll call it the PLL duck. This is one of my favorite well, Mona arcs. Caleb got to drive a Mercedes for a while. Fancy. <laughs> yeah, he's got the rich mom. Yeah, I love this Mona arc where she's kind of in the open as a, but, you know, just acting so nice in person, even though you know she's up to things. I mean, brilliant innovation, though, as you kind of step away from the books, just to like, Mona like stops being a normal person and becomes like a like a god on this show. 
I mean, she really was savant like, right? We mm-hmm. just said A has like, you just assume she's the smartest person you could possibly imagine. And wouldn't that person have all the resources in the world? Like, wouldn't they be great at playing the market? So we <laughs> always said, like, she'd find a way to have unlimited resources. Oh, there it is. Yep. It's just, it's so good because you're sitting here at the first time thinking, like, Spencer, it's right there. Why don't you see it? And I mean, she knows at this point, right? She's figured something out. I I think that she she suspects, but she doesn't know for sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like the detail there, where Spencer has remembered uh, glyceraldehyde from their first uh, encounter. Creepy red coat. Creepy red coat. But not the first appearance. Like red coat was in the season three premiere, right? Somewhere that in season definitely three, definitely wasn't the first. Yeah. And we, I mean, and most of them were, we, I mean, we decided a few might have been CC, but most of them were Allison. Mm-hmm. I think this might be the first time one of the liars thinks they see Redcoat, though. I think this might have mm-hmm. been the, the first time where they started. Yeah, I think you're right. Noticing. I think it was Audience Privilege before that. Mm-hmm. This was my very first scene directing of the episode, and it was challenging. I was like, oh my gosh, why did I do this to myself? <laughs> But we also learned too in, in post, the, the less you saw of A, the better, always. Just blurred images, just like whenever A was sort of full figure just standing there, it, it, A looked too human almost. Yeah, yeah. Not unlike enough. Plus, the, like the, the liar's fear is almost more important or what they imagine, the way they kind of create A, I think makes more sense too. Absolutely. And there's the key. That's that's sort of the second clue, right? So he drops the key. So first was the Radley badge, and then and then this they subtly drops the key. Did you always have in mind the mannequins uh, when you wrote the episode? I'm obsessed with mannequins. I that, I have one of these mannequins <laughs> in my office right now. Like I am obsessed with mannequins. Dolls and mannequins. They just be mm-hmm. mannequins. Sort of became the grown up doll. Yeah. You know, and we that's really just paying homage to Sarah and what she created. I mean, her, there's there's it's no coincidence that, you know, the covers of her books, the girls look like dolls. Well, also, the fact that this now that I'm looking at it more, it's like this is like almost Westworldy and, and it's like mannequin uh, morgue. It's like they're hanging from hooks and stuff. It's like it's, it's so creepy. creepy. <laughs> Emily snooping on Caleb here. Is this supposed yeah, to be like downtown? I forgot how much snooping was going on here. This is also, yeah, shot on the Warner Brothers back lot, but on a street we rarely shot at, which was made it fun. Yeah, I think Veronica's law office might be in this area. It looks familiar. <laughs> so to Heather's secret meeting, they're going to go to the only other coffee shop in town. <laughs> Yeah, on the other side of the tracks. <laughs> it's a lot of two. Like I, I you, you'll find this in almost all the episodes that I directed. There's a lot of like uh, sort of visual Edward Hopper homages. Really, mm. where like looking in windows, looking out of windows. Oh, so Emily doesn't even see it. Okay, the page is there. She left a little too soon. <laughs> So what are some of the 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 loves of yours that you always want to sneak in? Like Hopper, are you also a Hitchcock person? Oh, yeah, for sure. My mother, uh, we grew up only watching black and white movies in our house for some <laughs> reason. I don't know why. My mother is a, just a major fan of the classics. So we grew up on 
Hitchcock, Betty Davis, you know, Joan Crawford, all those really strong women, you know, great female leads. And and so definitely the, the suspension of Hitchcock. I'm a big Stephen King fan. Uh, Edward Hopper from the pilot on was was something that we embraced visually on the show. And, and not even because of the pilot we shot in Vancouver. And it was really when we started shooting the second episode on the Warner Brothers backlot that we realized like every every part of that backlot was almost built as an homage to Edward Hopper, that Midwest street and where the Apple Rose grill is. Mm-hmm. Those like look just like an Edward Hopper painting. So we really embraced it. I know one episode, Norman, you know, really, you know, went crazy. I don't know which episode it was where he created that, that diner shot of uh, Edward Hopper's famous painting of, of the diner. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember what it was called, but. I think it's earlier in season three, actually. Yeah. I think it's one of Emily's flashbacks um, when she's remembering where she was. Uh, that night. So Spencer is already suspecting here. Yeah. This is such a great shot. With the yeah. I like rhythm. how she says then it was her minion and we, she knows who she's thinking of then. Yeah, absolutely. Poor Hannah thought she had a prestigious interview with a, some kind of fashion outfit. And it's like, no, that was all fake. <laughs> Poor Hannah. Also faceless. I mean, does like Toby just like is he typing something and like he deletes it? Like, no, that's too rough. What's uh, what's threatening, but like maybe not, but kind of vague. Faceless. Faceless. Well, I guess the question is, does Toby have to run his A messages by Mona? You know, or, or is he even allowed to make them, or does Mona make them all? I think Mona makes them all. He's a minion. For he sure. just he just gets to report to her and say, "Okay, I did it." Mona says there's an A Slack channel, but he doesn't have to log in. Yeah. Toby wanna has to log in. You just mentioned your mom, and I just remembered later on, doesn't Toby give your mom a ride to go vote? Yeah, she's the senior voter in in uh, one of the I think maybe it was season six. Yeah. Season six or six seven. Yeah, and I actually gave her a line. She was mm-hmm. what my one family member who got a cameo and actually got to say, Why thank you, pretty eyes. <laughs> Everyone go vote. That's a and good go reminder. Vote. That's right. I was like the scenes where it's just the liars hanging out in one of their bedrooms, not not completely talking about the mystery, but just you know friendship, living. right? That's how yeah. to me. I was always say like if Pretty Liars is an ice cream Sunday, you know the ice cream is the friendship of the girls, and it's unconditional. And without that, there's no Sunday. And this this was so interesting too. Like all half of Arya's story takes place in her bedroom, mm-hmm. which. This I had never directed an episode before, and I didn't realize it was the hardest set to shoot in because it was so small. <laughs> and we fixed that after this episode. I'm like, the roof has to come off of this. These walls have to fly. This is not fun. I love this because you think it's Meredith. These are great shots, too. Like, this is such a classic, like the doll, mm-hmm. the, the, putting the camera behind the doll to shoot forward. Like, this is just such classic. Pretty well. I mean, Usually you would see this like in a fridge shot, right? Like when the person opens the fridge and pulls out the milk. Absolutely. We should have called it the fridge shot. (laughs) Yeah, this was pretty momentous. So this was back when you weren't sure what was, Valley was alive. We intentionally lit it in a way that we would light a flashback. Mm -hmm. So it's really like that walks that line a dream or not a dream. She just had to come back and get that doll. I just love that Arya's drugged in this scene, having potentially an imaginary friend conversation. And there's that yellow wallpaper, of course. 
everywhere I turn. So is Allie just being cryptic there? We, you know, some of the best Allie lines are from Joe Doherty. Like that, I even though I wrote this episode, I bet you that Joe wrote that line. It's he, he, he. It's like I was always like jealous. Like how can he nail those lines so perfectly? Like he really was tapped into Allie's cryptic, you know, speech. Even that Russian doll in the background, which I had forgotten about. Like everything is like a doll within a doll within a doll. <laughs> There's always some pages or a diary or some document mm-hmm. that leads to the next clue. And, you, and it's it's it really just sort of, you know, classic storytelling, but we would find those things like like even the board game in the final season like what what can we bring that will give us a a wealth of material like an engine moving forward like even the talking dolls in that episode where they pulled (laughs) the string like any kind of prop like that that would help us you know keep the engine moving forward was a a gift and a blessing on this show yeah and i think it was really fun back when we didn't know if ali was alive or not just to get these artifacts from her that would reveal some new facet seemingly endless facets of her personality and like how how strange and mysterious she was it was busy and new questions like this is why i picked you so the audience can be like what did she pick her for <laughs> exactly exactly and you know kudos to to abc family because we were asking those questions at a time where most shows weren't most most shows you had to ask a question and give the answer whereas abc family just understood that our audience likes to be surprised they want to figure stuff out on their own and they would let us ask the question and not give the answer and that was not not normal i think for television at that time yeah even now i don't think there are that many shows that extend a mystery plotline for this long you know that, that just keep going with it where it's like years and years before you find out what, you know, some little incident meant or, or what that was. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I don't know if you could get away with it now because audi- audiences may demand more. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. See, there's the tea. Now she's figuring it out. <laughs> Russian doll. I mean, it's, it's wild to see Arya taking abuse in this episode when she normally kind of comes off the easiest, at least in the A shenanigans. She did, which I think is why, especially for the first few seasons, and I think that's why a lot of people thought that Arya was A. That was a very popular theory because she was a light in a in a lot of episodes. <laughs> yeah, she also, I just suspiciously had uh, the least done to her. Yeah, this is where Meredith, Meredith's going off the rails. It's so fun to watch. Meredith's like, "Have you seen that scene of Julianne Moore in Magnolia? Because I'm yeah. about to act it out." <laughs> I just realized too. I love I love Allison that previous scene just because Arya straight up asks her friend, "Did my dad kill you?" And Allison should have been like, "Are you high as balls right now?" I'm right here. <laughs> no, that wouldn't be fun. She's got to be cryptic. Yeah, well, I think even it just in general, Allie would respond with a weird comment to that. That's just the way she is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't a lock; it's just a hole in the door. <laughs> This is one of those giggly scenes where it's like, wait, I have to say all of this. I've got to say the name of this made-up drug because we're not allowed to use a real drug. Oh, nice. Okay. It was like these crazy concocted things. Yeah, there's a lot of snooping in this episode. All the liars are kind of It is major snooping. This is back before iPhones, too. (laughs) 
<laughs> Arya just immediately decides to make a shiv. Such a good, pretty shot, though. Yeah, well, in the symbolism of the broken mirror, Arya and her, her love of her own reflection there. She's ready. Determined <laughs> and high. So I guess the medication, I, I think when we're watching this, we're led to believe that Meredith like needs more to drug Arya, but perhaps it's for herself is why she needs it. I would say that that she needs it. I don't know if she's taking it. And this is the scene, though, right before Toby popped in. We know she knows he's on yeah. the A-team. Yeah. From this point on, she absolutely is committed to knowing he's on the A-team. And I think she doesn't want to believe it because when you when he when he reveals himself in the later scene, spoiler alert, it's it that look on her face of pure devastation. Like she knows it like 99% here, but that one percent she's holding on to of not wanting to believe it's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, poor Spencer with her gifts is like trapped in the dollhouse years before she's trapped in the dollhouse, you know? Yeah. So when you were doing these scenes, did you tell Troyan, you know, you have an inkling right now or you you know at this She's point? She's so good. Like she, when, Troyan was one of the few actors who would read the script before the table read. And so even at that table read, she was already so nuanced in this performance. Like she, she, I'm sure we talked it through. Like, when did you know a little? When did you know for sure? Like how she makes sure that he sees where she put the key. We even, like, this is so subtle, but when these two first got together, if you go back and look at it outside of the Edgewood or Edgewater Motel, he's wearing a shirt almost identical to this. It's a white button-up, and we wanted to pay homage to, like, that first time they kissed, that first moment, like, to, like subliminally taking you back to, like, you know, the origin story of Spoby. So he's, like, getting dressed. He's, like, pulling out the one shirt, and he's like, you know what? It's anniversary Henley time. <laughs> That's it. And she knows. Yeah, I remember knows. watching this and just not not catching on at all, and then being like, "Oh, I have to go rewatch this now because clearly she's she's been in on it." And that is the hardest part of putting these episodes together of trying to sort of push it as far as you can, where you might suspect, you might not, but then you go back. I, this is one of those shows where fans really do love. I originally used to air twice, right? It would air mm-hmm. at eight, and then it would air again at nine or nine and ten. I forgot which one. And, and, and so we would, as, as many people would watch it the second time as the first time, just to see all those clues coming together. Mm. Well, so PLL deserved an after show now that that's like all the rage. <laughs> yeah, we could have easily spent a few minutes after each episode decompressing. Just the indicator that Meredith is a little unhinged. She's just cutting herself on that mirror. Cutting herself. And of course, a storm is coming in. <laughs> Yeah, I remember this is a pretty <laughs> brutal hit that comes here. Damn. Those were always fun. Oof. There's another giggly scene where these two couldn't quit <laughs> giggling. I'm like, stop it already. <laughs> it's the rarely seen outside front door of Arya's house. Right. And we actually, by this time, I think we had Arya's den on stage, but but a lot of this we shot out on the back lot because they didn't have we didn't have a staircase. Hmm. This scene right here with Toby, 
I don't know if it's the, what the very last shot of the episode was Toby driving in the truck and we couldn't, we were, we couldn't go outside for some reason. So we shot it on stage and it was all in one take. Cause then the truck overheated and died. <laughs> started the, the, the cab. We're like, okay, that's a wrap on the episode. We did get it fixed for later episodes. There's just like an inherent creepiness to going to your friends and they're not answering and like, what's going on? There's no electricity. Yeah. The storm is out. They don't even try the lights. Who knows if electricity is out? They just don't even care. It's a dark and stormy area. Yeah. Like somebody, I, I wrote a tweet once. It was so funny. It was like, why do they only, they drive during the day on Pretty Little Liars, but walk and ride their bikes at night? <laughs> Maybe they don't want to like alert their parents that they're taking the car out. Well, plus, in a weird way, Arya's house is always, like, the most, like, gothically creepy. Spencer's, too, though. Like, they never, those Hastings rarely turned on the lights. Yeah, yeah. Right yeah. out of Meredith coming up from behind them. Yeah. That's just set right out of misery. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> She's got Arya's phone. They're just like, yeah, that's a little weird. Yeah, creepy. She's but just gone like, what she asked, though. She's gone full haunted robot. Yeah, there's like, has this, and I think we had that conversation. Like, there's a Stepford wife quality to her, which I just love. I love that yeah. shot of her coming down the stairs like that. So because you can't still. read her, you know what I mean? And that's what's so creepy about it. You really don't know what she's thinking. <laughs> I mean, the shot, it's never good. In no context. It's like going down yeah. to the basement of this shot, ever good. Yeah, let Meredith go first. <laughs> yeah, this was like going into this episode, Byron was very suspicious, right? He, that was, yeah. Mm-hmm. We think he's in on it with Meredith, I think. That's what we were hoping for the audience to think at this point. All said, though, the liars survived their time in the basement better than their moms did. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like they're still able to drink afterwards, unlike poor Pam. Unlike poor Pam. Well, and speaking of the suspicions of Byron, I think Ella was always another good dark horse candidate just because oh, yeah. it would be All so unexpected. And her yeah, alibi was kind of shady. It was like, oh, she had a glass of wine, so she was passed out. It's like, was she? Speaking of that scene in the pilot and my favorite secret cameo in that scene, where is Pictunia right now? Pigtunia is at my office. I have Pigtunia. Okay. There, I, uh, some of the, like the, the choice, everybody took something like Troy and I think took a painting that was hanging at, at the Hastings house. <laughs> I've got lots of props, way too many props. Um, I don't know what everybody else took people. Oh, oh, I think Shay took a tracksuit and Emily tracked. <laughs> I still owe uh, Sasha a yellow top. Somehow she doesn't have a yellow top. So I, I've got a couple. I'm going to send one her way. But yeah, Pigtunia's creepy. <laughs> but that was right out of Sarah's books. Like, should we give her credit for Pigtunia? <laughs> I love that Pigtunia is just always kind of there in the background in Arya's room. Like, in several episodes, you just see him peeking around the corner. Looking creepy. All right, well, Chris Vale, our props, props master, was amazing at all of our props, but also great at just keeping everything. Like, he knew you, can, you can't get rid of anything on this show because, you know, it's going to come back. 
this is the scene where Byron walks in and he's like, I've made some great decisions in life. <laughs> and this isn't one of them. <laughs> Wasn't there a little bit of a link to uh, the kind of the chaos that they cause in Byron's uh, office that the Ali and Arya do? He kind of like flips out on Meredith because of that, which might have then contributed to some of her issues. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> And here, I mean, because that previous scene, you really don't know what he's thinking, right? Mm -hmm. So we shot this in a way where we were hoping you're really yeah. going to be coming down to finish the job. Great silhouette there. Okay. Basements creep me out, especially the, when there's uh, the gap in the stairs there, like somebody could be behind them. It's mm -hmm. good. And we, we built this one on stage because we didn't have any basements. <laughs> I mean, just any time you come home and you're sniffing others like, I've got some teenage girls locked in the basement. <laughs> well, we sort of paid homage to our basements in the in the uh, pilot of The Perfectionist when when Mona when when uh, when Allison is entering her new her new house on campus and she opens the door and then she closes the door again and sees Mona standing there. <laughs> Motif we can't get away from. Uh, Mona the knife. Allie was so busy on this night. So busy. Uh, Kyle, my assistant, Kyle Bone, he was the keeper of the timeline. Uh, he, he literally put together this chart, which I had framed for him uh, when the show ended of all these, you know, every single truth of what Allison did and who she saw and when she saw them on that night. Paul's out that there are the, the shovel props in the background and all these. So it's always there. And by the way, because you you know you shoot them wherever you are in the jungle, and, and so like that's a little that's a great cheat. Like if oh, we throw those shovels there, people won't know that we're actually on the <laughs> other side of the jungle tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just imagine that you're an adult man who's done all the things Byron has done, and now you're like, let me explain myself to these teenage girls, yeah, my, my daughter and her friends. Here comes the moment of truth. And it's so Spencer that she would be waiting. Mm -hmm. And this is another one too, where for that, for the reveal when he looks up. This is one of my most favorite images coming up when our camera's on the other side of him, and mm -hmm. we 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 get that audience POV of what he's thinking mm -hmm. when she she comes in. Iconic. Well, and I think it really visually buys you into him being on the greater good still because if he was f evil you wouldn't have his face yeah. you know being worried about being caught busted <laughs> busted she didn't i really think up until that point she didn't want to believe it but she doesn't need him to turn around she knows exactly who it is trying as the single tear running down her cheek oh, what a pro the clean the clean it's that battle of like I'm my heart is breaking, but I am also going to beat you. Well, I remember this, I was like slapping. And it even says in the script, she slaps him and he takes it like a man. <laughs> Rookie move leaving your A paraphernalia lying around your apartment. Seriously. Where's Eddie Lamb now? He left, right? He got scared. I think <laughs> I, we were trying to figure out why he left. Somebody scared him out of Rosewood. Hmm. I also figured Ari killed him. 
I wanted Eddie Lamb to end up on the faculty at BHU somehow. Oh my God, we talked about that. You're not oh, so nice. far off the mark. Nice. You need to be in the writer's room. <laughs> and here's the doll, right? It's just sort of like just a reminder of was Allie there or wasn't she there? Meredith's gone. <laughs> I think I this think might be the last Meredith time. Again. Yeah, yeah, I think that was it for Meredith. She probably got a job on another show too. She was on uh, 12 Bunkies, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this experience so spooked her that she had to start traveling through time. <laughs> there you go. Everybody, I, you know what? It's like we're equal opportunity. Uh, everybody is flawed on this show, right? It's so it's like not just the kids, but the parents. And I think when I think, and I think that gave us some leeway to be, you know, the the children could be so flawed, and and you never. Yeah, you didn't resent them for it. You just embraced it. I mean, look mm. at their parents. Yeah, and I think it made them really intriguing characters that they weren't just, you know, true, all true, you know, uh, protagonists. They they had their own secrets and bad things that they've done. But with the focus still being on, like, the the core liars and then kind of spreading out. Because um, I think I think too many shows they do this, and it's like secretly the show is about the parents, mm-hmm. you know. I think we sort of in the beginning were a little bit more fifty fifty, but I mean it was always about the girls, but the parents were more involved. And then as the audience got more and more invested in in the liars, mm-hmm. then the the adults became you know less and less a part of the show. But it just felt like a natural progression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I imagine it can't be easy to writing a show. With- four like co-leads who all have their own families you know and some with siblings too kind of trying to keep everyone juggled mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely definitely a, a lot to do in 43 minutes an episode are <laughs> you burning the evidence yeah the classic flame bar shot well this is what all this is what powers all fireplaces in rosewood is secrets that's true. This was, I mean, this was brutal to shoot the scene. And mm. it's like, I mean, Troy just had to break down, you know, take after take. And I remember saying like, I'm so sorry. Can we go one more time? She's like, Mar, this is fun for me. <laughs> yeah. I think she tweeted once that uh, Spencer's at her best or she's at her best and Spencer's at her worst. This was, I mean, and this was just so another, you know, favorite movie of mine is Silence of the Lambs. And this is clearly our Silence of the Lambs homage with Mona. <laughs> oh, I mean, just it's this next level iconic. I mean, it's so, like, the, just plunging your fist into like the viewer's heart and squeezing is. Oh, this is just brutal. It's brutal for me to watch now. Like, <laughs> well, it's like, how, how can Mona go after spencer out in the open like this is how she'll corrupt her boyfriend literally right on the other side of the door eating the lasagna that spencer (laughs) made yes the love lasagna yeah the way her throat catches and the line delivery here is brutal i think she was every you know every spoby fan's heart right there and and everybody you know who was just like who loved spencer which is everyone you know you just your your heart is breaking with hers and also secretly, though, if you're, I don't know, uh, a certain kind of person like myself, you're also just adoring Mona here. Oh, yeah. 
she is like it's priceless she i mean she literally was just you know not well (laughs) (laughs) but a genius you know we always cracked up like she's still wearing those gloves Mm -hmm. it's just savoring in her victory Mm -hmm. and this is the music from silence of the lambs oh cool this is a goldberg variation right you know, I don't, I don't, or we might have had to, we might have had to change it a tiny bit, like to make it ours now that I'm sort of thinking about it, but it was as close as we could get mm, to. Cool. And Spencer's harder the fava beans and she's, uh, yeah. <laughs> and just that smile on her face, like yes. it's that, that is like priceless. You want to slap it right off of her face. Well, it's like you're looking at that and you're like, hell yeah, she's going to be in a spinoff. I mean, <laughs> what I, I'm trying to remember up until this point, like Mona's back. She's better now. I don't think we've fully seen her BA again um, outside of Radley until now. Now it's kind of like, oh yeah, she's definitely up to something. She's definitely up to something. Um, that was so fun, you guys. Yeah. So, um, well, are you guys just going through it again and you're doing, you know, one episode at a time? Well, we're doing, we have a, a bunch pre-recorded, like I think four or five more from later seasons, like seasons four and five uh, that we've done with guests. So uh, we'll air those. Um, we record a lot of these over the summer. Um, but then, yeah, I think if, if people want more, I think we might just go back. I guess we would go to episode 103 because we already did the first two and just do one of those. They're, they're easier to do than the old podcast because uh, the way we used to do the podcast, we'd take like four or five hours worth of notes for it. Um, it was just a lot of prep, but if we just, uh, just you know, hit play and talk over the episode, it's pretty fun. You guys are like PLL encyclopedias. You really are. That's, you know, somebody would always ask me, like, would you guys have a Bible for the show? And I know the people are the Bible. Like if we had a Bible, it would be like 12,000 pages long. It's, it's the, you know, thankfully we had, pretty much the same writers throughout the history of the show, give or take, you know, one or two people coming and going, but that was the brain trust. The people were the brain trust. Mm. So dare we ask, how do you feel about this, uh, this uh, new show? Oh, you probably shouldn't ask. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'm not, uh, honestly, I'm not, I'm not involved with it and I wish everybody the best and I hope it employs people. And that's always a good thing. (laughs) Excellent. And then what is next for you? I've got a bunch of stuff in development. I'm not allowed to talk about most of it right now, but I've got something I'm working on at Netflix and something at Ooh. Disney Plus, and and uh, we've got you know a, a bunch of stuff in the pipeline that hopefully within the next like couple months I'll get to announce it in the press. But we're staying busy. We've got a lot going on at Long Lake, and and I think some shows that are going to hit the sweet spot with our PLL audience. Nice. Fantastic. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm still holding out for the the PLL reunion movie. Like it's cross our fingers. I I feel like everybody's sort of doing their own thing right now. And I mean, in regards to the, to the, to the reboot, I feel like it's, there's such a thing as too soon. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a little too soon for an original movie, but when it's right, I I, I think we've always thought that it was, it was a good idea. I think everybody on the cast would really embrace that when the time is right and people have, have, you know, are in their, the right headspace to, to revisit their characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Give it a few years for sure. But I'm sure eventually. Piello goes to Paris. Yeah. Oh my God, please. <laughs> we have to have Emily and, and, and Allison in Paris. They have to finally oh, yeah. end up in Paris together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and Mona goes checking on her, uh, her doll shop. 
<laughs> yeah. It's, it's escapees. But I think what, yeah, but her escapees. That was my favorite line in The Perfectionist, where, where she says the reasons that took her there. <laughs> <laughs> do you think you'll ever do your Perfectionist podcast that you teach? Yeah. We will. We were building. We're building a little studio in our our office, and now I'm just trying to figure out what's the most fun way because we had sort of all of season two broken. We knew what it was going to be because you have to go pitch that to the network before they decide your fate. Um, so yeah, I'm just trying to figure out the best way to get that information out to the audience in a fun way that'll feel like rewarding to them. Or it's not just okay, like cool. you're giving them bullet points. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, hopefully that we'll get that done sooner and later. And I'd love for the cast to be involved too, because I'd like to find out who they think is the professor. Nice. 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 All right. Well, thank you for joining us. That was a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much. Uh, you guys are the best. And and I this is such a great, you know, family of, of people and you guys help to make it so. So thank you so much. All right. Well, thanks for listening to everyone. And we'll be back next time with another commentary podcast. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Stay safe. Hey, guys. What's up? This is Benji. Hope you enjoyed that episode. It was definitely a big get for us. Been trying to get that one going for a very long time. Uh, as we uh, end the episode here, did just want to give a shout out to ourselves uh, because we have a, a book that is out and available right now. It's called Trouble Always Finds Me. It's a sequel to our first book, uh, which is called My Name is Trouble. Uh, you can find more information about it at uh, mynameistrouble.com. It's a book about a girl detective named Trouble who's solving mysteries and, uh, you know, duck looking for clues. Um, it's a lot of fun. And fucking shit up. Yeah, yeah, causing trouble, as, as one would say. Um, so if, if you like PLL, if you like Veronica Mars, I think it would be up your alley. Uh, anyway, uh, the reason we're talking about it is, A, it's out, so we hope you check it out. And if you do... Uh, we're having a contest where if you take a picture of your book or take a picture of your e-reader at the book there and then uh, post it on Instagram or Twitter with the hashtag trouble always finds me, uh, we will see it. You'll be entered into a drawing and we're picking two people who uh, will get to co-host a podcast episode with us. Uh, either a PLL episode, you can pick a PLL episode to do and we can do a commentary track on that or uh, on our sister podcast, Headcanon, where we talk about movies and TV shows. You can pick a movie or pick a couple episodes of a TV show and we can talk about it there. So fun incentive. If you've, if you've ever wanted to uh, actually do a pod with us, this is your chance. Mm-hmm. So hashtag Trouble Alls Finds Me and you can go to Trouble Alls Finds Me or my name is Trouble.com and find more information about the book there. Yeah, get the fuck on it. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Bye.